Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, let's get right to it. Uh, full disclosure, we had a chance to catch up with Oilers General Manager Ken Holland. Uh, here is that conversation. It's been about uh, six weeks now that you've been the uh, president and general manager of the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club. Uh, this is really our first chance to have a, a longer conversation. How are you feeling about you know getting comfortable in the role? And uh, after all those years, you know, three decades plus with the Red Wings organization, what's how's it how's it felt becoming and, and being an Oiler? Well, I'm excited, Bob. Uh, you know, obviously the Oilers have a great history and a passionate fan base. Um, you know, a real great nucleus to build around. And uh, I'm excited about the new coach that we hired in Dave Tippett. Look forward with working with, with Dave uh, going forward and, and building the Oilers back into uh, uh, a legitimate uh, cup contender. Uh, we've got some work to do. But certainly there's some key pieces already in place. And, I, you know, over the last six weeks, uh, I've talked to a lot of people, got to, got to spend some time at the uh, – watch Bakersfield play a couple of playoff games. And we had our pro scouting meetings. We had our amateur scouting meetings. I spent a week in Buffalo at the Combine with our uh, with our scouts um, and now here over the last week or 10 days leading up to the draft uh, have talked to pretty well all the general managers of the National Hockey League to get a feel for what they're thinking about uh, their teams and what they're looking to do to uh, to change and uh, you know we'll see if we can find a fit um, over the next few days and then at the same time next week we know all our kids are coming into Edmonton for the development camp and leading in obviously to July 1st to free agency so it's a busy period for everybody in the business. One thing the Red Wings had, Ken, for a number of years has been continuity. And I think you I think you had four coaches in the 20 22, plus 22, yeah, 22 years you were GM. Uh, we had a window where Kevin Lowe was the GM and Mac T was the head coach and the Oilers punched above their weight class in some of those years in the pre-cap world and then went to the final in 06. Um, I'm going into year 12 doing color and hosting the show and we've had nine head coaches and four GMs. Is there something to be stated uh, in terms of having continuity and consistency in an organization. It's easier said than done, especially when everybody wants to win now. But um, I think the proof is kind of in the pudding, isn't it? Well, I certainly believe in stability. Um, like I said, we, we had that. Um, I was fortunate we had that in Detroit. I, I joined the Red Wings in 1983 as a minor league player and played my last two years in, in Adirondack.
Adirondack Red Wings and became a scout in 1985. And, you know, Jim DeVolano was still there. I think he's the longest serving Red Wing employee in the history of the franchise, 37 years. Uh, I was 36 years. Uh, Hawk and Anderson we hired as our, our European scout in 1989, and there's there's other people there. Now, Steve Eisenman's in charge, and I'm sure there'll be some change. There there's, has to be some change when there's a new man uh, a new man in charge. But I think ultimately, to you know, one of the things you need to be successful, I believe, is stability. The, you know, and why? Because every time there's change, there's a different philosophy, and uh, there has to, you have to build up some trust from a coach-player perspective. There's got to be some trust as to you know what the player can do, and the player knows the coach and what 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 he's expected to do. And it takes time to build up that trust. And I, I also think that when you get a, a manager in place, you know you've got a, a vision or a direction of the organization. And again, with change, the vision, the direction changes. So I'm hoping that um, I can come in and, and uh, sign a five-year deal. Uh, looking forward to being here working for five years for Mr. Cates and, and working with Bob Nicholson and uh, want to build the Oilers into a real, you know, a real good hockey team um, that, that's got good depth, that plays with speed, plays with pace, has some skill, uh, got some grit, uh, but it takes time. Certainly, you, 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 we all watch the Stanley Cup Finals and you watch Boston and uh, and the St. Louis Blues and two two teams that were uh, you know re- really built very very well and uh, played gritty and and the, 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 I guess you know the thing you can't forget about is where St. Louis Blues were halfway through the year I think they were dead last in the National Hockey League it speaks to parity so you got to really stay the course you know Doug Armstrong is a real good friend of mine and uh, great job by Doug and all his people in putting together that team. We're joined right now by Ken Holland, the President and General Manager of the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Ken, uh, sometimes when a new person comes into a situation, they're a little dismissive of maybe some of the guys that have been here before. Now, your personality and one of the reasons why a lot of the media have liked you is, first of all, you're approachable, uh, but you're a little understated, and you're, you're, you're not a guy where the ego comes across at all. If you have, No one's ever thought you had one. But on that note, you have kept some of the people here. You re-upped a guy like Keith Gretzky, who uh, I think a lot of us felt in, in a difficult situation did a pretty good job in the short term. Um, is it important that you don't just sit there and, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, just start firing away, but try to work your way and say, you know what, this area of the organization is like, I would suggest to you the amateur scouting over the last couple of years is the best it's been in Edmonton for a number of years. And I played for Stu McGregor, who was our head scout for a number of years. And it, to me, it's been elevated the last couple of seasons. So how do you how do you sort of handle that delicate balance where you know you might need to make some change, but you also want to keep around the right people? Well, you know, obviously my first uh, order of business was to get to know a lot of these people. Um, you know, I spent some time early on with with Keith, and I, you know, I, I've been around the, you know, I've been around the game a long time, so I know a lot of people and, and uh, that, that have worked with Keith, and you know, hardworking, humble, great eye for talent, um, real good team t- team player, and um, uh, you know, I, I felt early on had I had good chemistry with uh, with Keith and. Uh, Happy that he's going to stay. He's going to oversee uh, Bakersfield and also be involved uh, uh, in the amateur draft. You know, so I'm trying to put the organization together. Lots of good people in this organization. Obviously, there has to be some change. You know, you can't just 
put me in the middle and I, there has to be some change. I think that's just the reality of, 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 of today's uh, professional sports teams. But I think for the most part, I'm going to, you know, going to keep lots of the people um, and we're going to, we're going to go to work, put our sleeves up and, and uh, make sure that we've got a vision and a, and, and a plan as to how to get there. And we've got to stick to the plan. We've got to be patient. But, but you know, I've said all along, I think right from the first day on the, uh, for 1920, you know, my goal is to build a team that we think can compete for a playoff spot and in March being a legitimate playoff race. Hopefully we can find a way to play our way in and once you get in you never know but as we as we build here over the next uh, two, three years we'd like to be uh, deeper and better than we are today. We're here in the draft in Vancouver but before we get to the draft there's two storylines I just want to address. One is Marcus Lido today. The agent for Yessa Pogliarvi has stated publicly uh, that yes, he uh, is not going to be back in Edmonton this year. Uh, some would say, you know, new general manager, new head coach come in, a younger player might be an opportunity to, to start something anew. I, I know this is sudden and recent. Um, is there anything that you could comment on at this time regarding Paul Yarvey? Well, it's sudden and recent for, for you. Um, you know, I talked to Marcus within a week of after I got the job in, in, in Edmonton, and certainly he told me that at that point in time that uh, Jesse's would prefer for, for um, you know, new scenery. Um, I wanted to take some time. I did speak to Jesse face to face last week in in, um, in Edmonton. He was in town for a week uh, with his rehab, and um, I enjoyed our conversation. And I talked to Marcus again this morning, and certainly he, he said the same thing. So, uh, you know, I'm not trading anybody because they want to be traded. Um, but if we can find something that works for everybody, I'll look at it. And if not, uh, I'm not doing anything. I'm not. I'm not going to do something unless I feel really good about. Uh, it's in the best interest of the Edmonton Oilers. Logic dictates a like-minded prospect might make the most sense. Um, you know, it's unlikely to be able to get a first rounder for him. But uh, if somebody dangled a second and a third, is 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 that a is there a pick quotient that would make sense there, or you're not that far along? Uh, you know, Bob. I think you know. I think at the end of the day, you have an idea of what makes you happy, and then you got to go out and talk to all the other teams to see if do, 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 of the interest level, and and then kind of gauge it, and make some decisions as you go from there. So you know, it's I've been at it a long time, and um, just again, I got to find something that works for everybody, and if not, then, then you don't do anything. All right. The other player that we talk a lot about this past off season has been Milan. Lucic. There's been a lot on Milan. Uh, at the end of the day, Milan is a unique player. There's not a lot of players left in the league that can provide the sort of on-ice backup that he can provide. That is still an aspect in this game, probably greater in the playoffs than in the regular season. Um, interesting situation. Uh, and just, uh, I mean, obviously, he's a name that you get inquired about out there because of the unique skill set that he possesses. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm just trying to get my my, my arms around uh, exactly, you know, how, what transpired over the last year or two when, yeah. in terms with Milan. Certainly, you know, his first year in Edmonton, they get 20 goals and 50 points. He had a great year. Yeah. Um, you know, last year was a tough year, but I think it was a tough year for a lot of people. So, you know, I've talked to, I met with his eight Milan's agent um, while I've been here in Vancouver, and you know, I, I would say to you, Bob, what I'm doing is. I'm working the phone lines. I'm yeah. working the phone lines right. on a lot of things and trying to see what makes the most sense, if anything, to make the Edmonton orders different or better. 
and I'm not. I don't want to make deals just for the sake of making deals. You know, it's it's great for the media, and, and but at the end of the day, I think you, um, so. Uh, certainly, Milan had a tough year last year, but but I think you know there was there's there's a lot of circumstances why um, some players had some tough years last year. Uh, I want to get through you know get through this weekend. You know, we've got the draft. There's lots of talk. I'm talking talking to a lot of people about a lot of different things. Again, I don't know if anything's going to happen or not. And then once I get to next week, um, we got a player development camp. But I got to start reaching out to. I've talked to a few of the players. I've talked to obviously Connor McDavid. I'll talk to Leon Dreisaitl. I talked to a few others. But I wanted to start to reach out to more players. Milan would be one of them to start. Uh, you know, <laughs> building some type of a relationship as we as we gear our way into uh, into September. But uh, certainly, I know you know he had a tough year last year. Um, and I remember this agent. Uh, I do know that he likes it in Edmonton. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. And, you know, work in the phones and we'll see uh, where we land on uh, uh, after the draft. So Jerry Johansson represents Milan. He's also got uh, Brett Connolly, who's a free agent, who's a guy that a lot of teams are probably going to be interested in. Uh, just uh, focus on the draft now. You're in an interesting spot. You're at eight. Uh, the general consensus was, you know, there was one really gifted defenseman, Bowen Byram, uh, led the WHL goal scoring. Best offensive defenseman on the West since Scott Niedermeyer back in the early 90s. Um, you're not going to get him. He's going to be gone at uh, three, four, five. Uh, Philip Roberg had a bookended year. Great uh, Holinka Gretzky last year at Edmonton. Terrific U18 tournament. Uh, there's another uh, Swedish defenseman, Soderstrom, in the mix. There's Harley at the OHL. But there's been a lot of forwards. And I asked you this question at our fan event. Just, you know, in a cap world, does it change? Before the cap world, you took the best player. In a cap world, because in the NFL, you, you do draft uh, by positional need. But in the NHL, now that said, six, fifth, sixth, and seventh round draft picks in the NFL play right away. They don't in hockey. Um, but on that note, do you have to weigh a little bit of that, or do you just is your uh, thought process and the education that you're giving your scouting staff, we're taking the best player? Well, I think, you know, Bob, I think philosophy comes into it. What are we trying to build? Certainly, you know, when you look at the Edmonton Oilers, um, or when I look at the Edmonton Oilers' future, um, you know, up front and on the back end, certainly on the back end, there's a lot of young defensemen. Um, there's some that aren't far away in, um, that played pro last year in Bakersfield. And then there's obviously a couple of top young prospects that played junior last year in, in Samarukov and Boo. Shirt. Philosophically, and this is do we let's take the best player available. If we deem him as a defenseman, we're adding another really blue chip defenseman or top young defenseman at pick eight to what we already got. And you want to be a good team, you gotta have a good defense. You gotta you gotta be big, you gotta be mobile, you gotta be deep. And if you've got a good defense, you're probably gonna have uh, you have a real good chance to have a good hockey team for a long period of time. Uh, at the same point in time, you could say philosophically, boy, you've got lots of good young defensemen. Why not get, because 
going to be some good forwards on the board, so we can go that direction. So, you know, I'm, I'm not really giving you the answer because I don't want to give you the answer. Right. Uh, we've got our list the way we like it, um, and I do know we're going to walk away. We're going to walk away with a good player, a good prospect at pick eight. Uh, I want to do everything that we can to make sure that we develop him properly, be patient, and get him to the National Hockey League so that he can really contribute to the Edmonton Oilers um, in a positive way, even if we got to wait a year or two or three to make to make sure that uh, he's ready to rock and roll. 2015, I went into Erie twice, thinking we were going to be looking at Dylan Strom drafting, and we ended up winning the lottery that year, or the Oilers did. Uh, but I saw Alex Dabrinkit, a smaller guy, and he had a 40-goal season this year. I bring that name up because of Caulfield, who's a total wild card, I think, in this draft. The size matter? And did it ever matter in Detroit with how you guys ran your team? Because to me, you guys always – people, the other organizations all wanted to play like you guys did when you guys were really in your prime. And so, you know, because, you know, come playoff time, it is a slightly different game. So on that note, how much of a factor is that in terms of the evaluation on a player today? Well, I mean, first off, he's a talented young player, and he, he he's a guy that Caulfield could he, could – he could wake up in two, three, four years from he's scoring 35 or 40 goals. He's got the, I've watched him play f- – 15, I watched the USA 18 team. They were two miles from where I lived, so I watched him play 15 times this year. He can really score goals. Uh, he's very, very talented. He's very, very gifted. Um, uh, you know, in the NHL, it looks, you know, you, you, you need skill to get you to the to the tournament, and then certainly when you get into the tournament, the playoffs, you seem to need that bottom half of the roster to kind of step up and really, and we had that in Detroit with the grind line, the Mulpies and the Drapers and the McCartys, and I think the same thing this year with St. Louis and, you know, Boston, the, the, the bottom six. So certainly uh, you need sort of two makeups to your to your team. But you, first and foremost, you got to have skill. Cole Caulfield has skill. Um, little players can play today. I don't think you want to build a little team, but certainly you, you need dimensions. And, you know, you need some big guys and you need some fast guys and you need some guys that can score. Cole Caulfield can, can score. Certainly where we pick at pick eight, um, there's some other talented players that that are better bigger uh, I don't know if they'll score but they'll bring other dimensions so we have to weigh all that as we ultimately make our final decision for pick eight one final one for you the height of UCLA's uh, basketball dominance with John Wooden uh, they had an elite team and not all of those guys panned out obviously you know Lou Alcindor you know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did Bill Walton did but there were a lot of other guys that benefited from playing in a program that elite and there's a bit of a bias that happens, and I'm referring to the U.S. National Development Program. It is an elite team that could have as many as eight kids in the top 20 of this year's draft. How challenging is it for you to, and you said you saw them play 50 times, to compare kids from that program versus a kid like Peyton Krebs, who played on a terrible, worst junior team out west since Portland in the late 2000s. I mean, it really is quite the contrast. So is there is there an art to sort of evaluating those guys? This will be the final question. Well, you know, Bob, that's the challenge. That's the challenge of, of, of the entry draft. They're not all on the same level playing field. And you can go, you know, Kako at two is playing in the Finnish men's league and, and somebody else is playing in the USHL and somebody else is playing in Minnesota high school. Somebody else is playing tier two in British Columbia. You know, Newhook is going to go in the first 
first round. So that's the ch- you know Krebs is on a team in in in, in Cranbrook that uh, not a very good not a very good team and not a lot around him and somebody else. The, then you've got the generational team with the USA 18 team. That that is the challenge of of of, of scouting 18 year old players. So uh, I you know you go to games, you you, you do your research, you you you, you do reports, you, you you gather information, you talk to past coaches and you philosophically you decide what you're trying to build and then you, you build your list and then you, then you go from there but you're speaking to the, the challenges of drafting the 18 year old yeah. draft because they're not all on a level playing field and not playing against one another every night so certainly that's why you go to the world under 18s and you go to the, Gret- the Henlinka Gretzky and then you, you go to the, the, the prospect game and you go watch them play in their league and you try to see them in so many different situations and against so many different of their of their peers and then but you ultimately that's the challenge that's why it's not an exact science Ken we appreciate the time and I'll try not to bother you for at least a couple weeks <laughs> thanks Bob no, call me anytime all right thanks all right that is uh, Ken Holland in conversation uh, he'll have a media availability today at three o'clock uh, we will also uh, mention to you that uh, there will be a scenario where we'll probably be hearing from a couple other uh, individuals along the way including, uh, my apologies there, let's get that one going. I think that one's going to work better. Uh, Ken Holland, so coming up uh, tonight on Inside Sports with Reid Wilkins, we'll have more from Ken Holland from today's availability, along with uh, Dave Tippett and the new associate coach of the Edmonton Oilers, Jim Playfair. Uh, tomorrow, uh, guests on the show will include Elliot Freeman and Sam Constantino and Jim Playfair on Oilers Now. Up next, the Global News Weather Traffic Update with Eileen Bell. So long, everybody, for now from Vancouver. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.